Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. Maybe I should give you a name. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. The Coffee Clash Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Mr. Robot episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And this week, we try to defrag episode 407, Proxy Authentication Required. Vera holds Krista hostage as he tries to force Elliot into joining him. Elliot realizes a shocking truth. Okay, Jason, IMDb is giving this a 10 and Rotten Tomatoes a 100%. Holy shit. It looks like the critics and almost all of the audience were completely shocked by this episode. Well, and that makes it the highest rated for the season. You can't get any higher. The critics are saying the series has earned this moment of bone deep tragedy and it hits precisely because it makes emotional and logical sense. Something that traumatic would necessarily precipitate a long-term dissociative episode. In describing it, they have said there are five acts delineated by title cards, which follows a traditional dramatic structure. It features two sets and a cast of five characters, with numerous light cues and a stage-worthy sound design. So we will be talking about all of that, the structure of the episode, as well as the psychological deep dive for what we uncovered with Elliot. We got quite a few write-ins about this. But one email from Maurizio says, I just finished watching one of the most impactful episodes of television I have ever seen. Thinking on previous episodes, everything makes so much more sense now. Just a couple questions I hope Christina can answer or provide additional insight. Jason, you as well, but these few were psychologically oriented. First, he says, the episode was shown in five parts. Do you think this was intended to represent the five stages of grief? So thank you to everyone, including the real Angel Q, who wrote in to point that out. It's definitely a parallel we noticed as well. And I feel fully confident in saying that's absolutely what's going on here. Before we go into it, uh, and you're not supposed to do this, but I'd like to pat you on the back at least. (laughs) It was either a last season or the season prior. We were going into the psyche of Elliot. And we had brought up that there was five seasons at that time that Sam Esmail wanted or had written. And we had thought that those seasons could break down to the five stages of grief. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I think this was almost all the way back to season one. We were talking about that. And what I really like is you've brought up several times this season that it was always Sam Esmail's plan to have five seasons so that it would represent a five-act play. For whatever reason, that was changed up leading up to this season four, and they made it one kind of extended 13-episode season. We've gotten the feeling, and we could be wrong, that there were some things they tried to shift around in order to kind of combine season four and season five. But I think he still had that vision of this overall story he was trying to tell, and thus he gets to put it into this one episode and still have it unfold that way. And further, breaking down the psyche, we had we were talking about disassociative identity. And you had brought up that, now, we didn't know it was the father. He did fool us there because the way that Elliot looked back at his father, it all makes sense now. But we had 
hypothesized that as a child he must have been abused. As soon as we realized DID was what was going on with Elliot, the main cause of that is believed to always be severe and prolonged trauma. It can be emotional or physical, but very often it is sexual abuse. It's chronic. It doesn't have to be at the hands of a parent or caretaker, but often is. Now, I know there is a lot of controversy surrounding DID. We've brought that up a couple times. We'll talk about it later once we get into our closer look. We're just going to come from the standpoint that psychologically this condition exists and follow with what we know about it. Thus, we had always figured this has to be a severe trauma. We were being shown elements of his mother being abusive, but not a lot of it. And it was weirdly disjointed. We never got the whole story about that. It always felt like there was more to tell, but I did not have any idea that his father was going to factor into that. So while the origin story was not a complete surprise to me, I was saying to myself, well, of course, of course, this is chronic trauma. And that's what happened to Elliot. The details were intriguing. And just the emotional journey that we went on was obviously incredibly impactful, really well done. Rami Malek acting the hell out of this, but really everybody, everybody in this episode so it was still enjoyable to me. Oh, absolutely. And it's even not- though it wasn't like a huge twist. Like people are marking it as this huge twist. Oh yeah. my god, I didn't see this coming. It didn't totally feel that way, but I really liked it. Yeah, just to build on what you're saying, it didn't have to be a twist for mm. us. We had the advantage because you're trained in this. Mm. If it was just me doing the podcast, I wouldn't have had that much detail. That's why you and I work so well together in this podcast. And it by no means devalues anything. And I'm only bringing it up because I'm proud of you. That's all. Oh, thank you. No, and I I do think it makes sense. If you go back now, there were those tracks laid and you can look at tons of other episodes and scenes in a different context. Which is always fun. Yeah, I know that everybody's talking about that, but the scene at the movie theater between Elliot and his father, the 80s, 90s sitcom episode, there's nothing that feels like a retcon. And with this particular aspect of the show, that's very important. Absolutely. We were never looking for a twist as far as what's happening in Elliot's psyche. There still are the other big pieces of the show left on the table. Mm. The stuff where perhaps there's more mystery and answers to be had. White Rose's overall overall purpose and her goal. How this is going to link up. What's going on with the Dark Army, Dom and Darlene. But this really narrowed the focus so that we were able to get kind of the culmination with what was happening with our main character. Admittedly, I'm a little confused as to why we had last episode now. And I was confused about it at the time because it was just a lot of Vera. This was the Vera highlight episode. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's all we needed were the interactions between him, Krista and Elliot here. But it doesn't make me like this episode any less. Well, this whole season, we've been feeling like Vera is kind of wedged in there. And it didn't make much sense. But the payoff is worth it. Yeah, so let's discuss the overall structure up top. That way we can follow it through as we're doing our synopsis. The five stages of grief, according to this very well-known model by Kubler-Ross, are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So number one, denial. You believe it is a mistake. Whatever's happened. Maybe you've been through a trauma or you've lost somebody. You cling to a false, preferable reality. They're not gone. This can't be true. In a state of shock, nothing seems to make sense. You might feel numb, 
there are defenses in place that are helping you cope and make survival possible because you just can't take it all in yet. It helps you to pace your feelings so you can let in only as much as you can handle. And that, of course, is act one in this episode where Vera is trying to get Elliot to open up and connect on a different level. Number two is anger. When you recognize that denial can't continue, you become frustrated. The anger, too, is useful. It often covers other emotions that aren't as easy to deal with, such as pain. The anger can be a strength and give structure to the nothingness. It gives you something to do. You're lashing out. You're asking, why me? It's not fair. How could this happen? And who's to blame? This is the point in the episode where Robot comes out to act in anger towards oh, Vera see. and tell him... I served a purpose. When people like you were coming out to play or poking us with a stick, Elliot had me to take care of things. The third stage is bargaining. This is the hope that you can avoid the cause of the grief by seeking a bargain or a compromise. What if, or if only, you remain in the past trying to negotiate your way out of hurt? So in Act 3, we see Vera starting to go after Krista, getting upset. This isn't kind of following according to plan. They're not playing along. And Elliot tries to reverse it take back pulling the gun on him and trying to shoot him say, okay, okay, we'll go along with the plan. Let's just forget that I did any of that. Stage four is depression. Now your attention comes to the present and you despair at the recognition of reality. You may become withdrawn, isolated, depressed. It all hits you. And of course, no need to explain, this is the part of the episode where Elliot faces the truth. And finally, stage five is acceptance. You can now embrace the reality of the event and see you can't maintain the past. Things have changed and you must readjust. Now that Elliot comes to terms with the truth, it can't go along the same way anymore. And that leaves us with a lot of questions. Will there even be a Mr. Robot moving into the present? Because he no longer serves the same purpose he did psychologically. So it's possible that he's now fully integrated? Mm, I don't think that's what we saw because they didn't have this resolution, a conversation together. The defense that Elliot was putting up in the form of Mr. Robot, doesn't serve him. And again, we'll talk more later in the closer look. Unless they talk some more and get to the bottom of this and are able to integrate, it's more like he's pushed him out of the way right now. He's not going to use Mr. Robot because mm. it doesn't help him. But before we get too deep into our synopsis, let's talk some background. For the origin of our title, we had proxy authentication required. This means the request has not been applied because it lacks valid authentication credentials. This proxy is sort of a go-between the user and the server. It makes me think of the conversation where Vera is trying to grill Elliot and bring him over to his side. And Mr. Robot finally comes out and says, we should be questioning you. What are your credentials? What is your big plan here? You're interviewing us. Exactly. He says, I'm not someone you push around with a gun. I am the gun. So you got to go through me now and prove yourself. Christian Slater kicking ass. As far as music is concerned, I do believe this is the first episode, or at least in a while, that we don't get any other songs. And I haven't confirmed this, but I think it's all Mac Quayle, original music and scoring. It was awesome. There's a Reddit user that wrote about this beautifully saying, at first, every time Vera talks, the music theatrically swells and crashes. Going along with the melodramatic vision Vera has for this meeting and how it's supposed to go down. But when Mr. Robot starts talking, the score cuts to silence. The theatrical narrative Vera's come up with is challenged by his reluctance to play along. That's the moment we were talking about. Finally, in the climactic reveal, the big orchestral over the top movie score starts to blend into Mac Quayle's familiar electronic score. It was like a play on the actual Mr. Robot music. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't catch... Really, I was so enthralled with... <laughs> I noticed when it was happening, when we went to silence, and much of the episode was more orchestra, strings, until we get into these heavy moments, and then you start to get some of that electronic undertone. It's also important to say that this episode was commercial-free. We had speculated in our spoiler section last time, you know, man, there's got to be something really big here, because they didn't use the commercial-free for the big Elliot and Darlene hack on virtual realty. So there's got to be something even more important that we can't cut away to commercials. And of course it was. It was these five acts... He wanted it to feel like a play. When the episode starts, we are completely in darkness, waiting for the curtain to come up, so to speak, because we're in the trunk with Elliot, (laughs) hearing those background sounds, the actors behind the stage getting ready. Then the lights come on in theatrical fashion. They're going to go off much the same way at the end once the play is over. It was very well done. And it's very well served. Of course, between the acts, you could have gone to commercials, but it was going to cut a lot of that intensity, if you had to do so. Now, we've also been tracking the timeline for the season. This episode still takes place December 25th, Christmas, but the time is a little bit confusing. We know that we left off with Dom and Darlene at around 3.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. It's fair to assume we might pick up somewhere around that time, but it is dark by the end of the episode. We've gone into nighttime. No, it's winter. It's December. So that could even be happening at five o'clock. There's no real way to know. What somebody noted was that if you try to go through every shot, you can see Vera's watch face Uh. in a lot of them. That clearly shows what time it is, but the order doesn't make any sense. We get two shots of it in Act 1 that show 9.38 p.m. and then 8.45 p.m. Act 2, 10.11 p.m., But then Act 3, back to 5.14 p.m. And Act 4 and 5 both say 10 p.m. And there's no way we could be going through to 10 p.m., right? Then we've missed the meeting. I'm wondering if this is actually a detail that SML didn't think about. The watch. Do you think that's possible? Just inconsistency? Yeah, and you know they didn't do this all in one night. These shots, right? So it's just different days. Or in order, yeah. Yeah continuity or of course yeah that's what i'm going off of because there's no way i'm gonna let my mind try to figure that shit out that's insane (laughs) as if it meant something and it it could mean we've missed the nine o'clock meeting and i just don't think there's any way no because once elliot sits down with the computer right before stage three not act three stage three he's discussing it as if he's going to do it later that night he's Mm -hmm. not saying it's almost time i gotta get out of here yeah he says the plan's going down tonight well and finally another interesting point Actor B.D. Wong, who doesn't appear in the episode, wrote on Twitter that this one was special in the table reads they did for it. Every actor that was not in the episode was asked to leave the room. Oh, wow. Much like the forced therapy session where Javi and Peanuts have to leave, they need a controlled setting, Krista tells him. So apparently they did the same thing in the table reads. Well, let's move into our synopsis. We already talked about the opening as we're waiting for Act 1 to start. It was just really good at putting you in Elliot's position. All the traffic sounds going by as the credits come up, Elliot's breathing. There's tension, wondering what's going to happen. The only thing that was interrupting us during this episode was our beautiful bird who loves, he's quiet, he's amazing, and then when we sit down to do something serious like watch a show for the podcast or a movie for the podcast... That's when he decides to get loud, start throwing things, yelling at us. Unfortunately, I don't think he appreciates Mac Quayle scoring. (laughs) (laughs) But we really open up with Act 1, Denial, as Vera sits Elliot down to talk. He's 
becoming emotional, telling him he's waited a long time for this moment. He even apologizes for being a fanboy, saying, you're like a hero to me. As Elliot superficially takes in the conversation, Mr. Robot is busy planning a possible escape. We're on the second floor of a three-story walk-up. Two armed dopes and a crazy meth head who thinks he's Deepak Chopra. He only exits the front door, but I seem to remember there's a fire escape in the back. I'm not thinking about an escape plan right now. Escape is the only fucking thing we should be thinking about. Not until we find Krista. Kiddo, need I remind you about Dominican Psycho over here? Krista was just bait. Now she's probably dead. What we need to find out. I just need to get him doing what he loves to do best. Talk. But Elliot says they can't think about that until they find Krista, who we will see eventually tied up in the next room. They do a really nice panning shot that kind of goes up and over the top. I know I'm not supposed to be dwelling on these types of things, but they're in the city. That is a giant, beautiful home for the city. And Krista's a therapist. What kind of clients is she seeing? Yeah, that she makes that dough. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think Elliot's paying her super duper Out of pocket, tons of cash. (laughs) Well, Elliot stalls, encouraging Vera to tell his story and questioning why he waited two months to make his move. He knows that Vera just wants to talk and he can buy himself some time if he pushes him. So Vera does. He explains Elliot's a formidable adversary. He had to prepare. After their last unfortunate encounter, he returned home to DR, where he hadn't been in many years. People didn't think much of him, and he wanted to prove them wrong. He set up shop and started to spread his influence. Uh, So he's back in Dominican Republic. He did a lot in 88 days. Do you think this is realistic or it's just Vera kind of blowing it out of proportion like I own that whole island I I did it because it doesn't seem he always has a good grasp on what his power is he got very grandiose thinking yeah uh well there's a few things one of which I'll touch upon later when I had my moments of thought that this might actually be the third personality Mm. and I'm not 100% positive that it is that it still isn't And we've discussed in the past episodes, there's so many reasons why it can't be. But again, unreliable narrator, things could be twisted. So in that regard, this might not be true if it's just the third character that he's made up. You know, it's just part of the character. Persona. Yeah. Um, The other thing, the possibility, look, we've been to DR. It's not America, but you're not going to freaking take over. In 88 days. days, right. But even more than that, I felt, and this may not be a popular opinion, but this now, in two episodes, was the third Vera story. Even though Elliot Villar is playing this character so well, he's acting the shit out of this. About midway through this story, I was waning. I was like, enough with the stories. This is even less compelling than the bully and little bitch story. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Did we need all last episode now? He could be telling the bully and little bitch story here instead of this nonsense. (laughs) And it probably would be great because it's the first big story we're getting. I agree. I I don't know what the point of any of that was, ultimately. I mean, it is going to lead to Vera's big plan has just been that he wants to be the number one drug kingpin in New York. And how is Elliot going to help with that? Half-baked. It's ridiculous. Of course it is because Vera is... Half baked himself, right? He's got <laughs> fully some baked phil- philosophical thoughts, but he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And Mister Robot's going to point that out to him. I just don't see why we needed it. What more does it tell us about him? Yes, we're stalling for time, but he does continue this along with once he owned everything, he became bored. So his friend brought him to a shaman. 
He took a drink, turned out to be ayahuasca, purged himself, to put it nicely, and the shaman told him to go home, reconcile with the man who closed the door to him, because he was meant to be his partner. It was then Vera decided he would take over New York and Elliot would be by his side. So a few things. Uh, One, I want to retouch upon later the little bitch story, because I think there is some importance there. Mm -hmm. But two, when you have an ayahuasca trip, now it's become popular, so a lot of people are doing it. And when there's a popularity, there's more demand, then you start to get shamans, quote unquote, that aren't actually it. Mm. They're just taking advantage of the people coming in from other countries. Who want to have that spiritual experience. And they can just play the part. A real ayahuasca shaman ritual. The shaman is not going to do anything but guide you through the experience. Mm -hmm. Their job there, and, and to keep you safe and keep everything peaceful. Their job there is not to give you any wisdom. The wisdom comes from the ayahuasca in your own brain, in your own trip. Yeah, well, it's kind of like therapy. You had the answers all along. And if this is supposed to be a spiritual thing, you're connecting with a higher power. That higher power is supposed to give you answers, not the shaman. Exactly. So this was a shaman. <laughs> or Vera pictured the shaman saying that to him. Who knows? That could be too. Either way, it kind of doesn't matter. It just brings him back to New York. And Elliot's not interested. His first response is, okay, so what about Krista? Vera is upset about. He insists she's not going to be killed. Quote, no one here wants to see no rerun. (laughs) Kind of speaking to us, the audience. Love that. But Elliot demands to see her. Putting a knife to Elliot's face, Vera agrees with the condition that after, he wants his own introduction to Mr. Robot. Point of contention, I wanted a spoon, not a knife. Thank you. Agreed. (laughs) So that build up with the grapefruit, but it takes us into act two, anger. In the next room, Vera starts harassing Krista, sexually assaulting her, in fact, and Elliot becomes increasingly upset until Mr. Robot comes out saying, let's talk. You want to talk? Let's talk. First, confused and skeptical, Vera is finally convinced, saying... It's like I'm really talking to another person. Great acting in those moments of him really tracking Elliot. You could see him trying to figure it out. Yes, we're seeing Christian Slater. He's still seeing Rami Malek. Of course. So he's picking up on all the facial expressions, the way he holds himself. And it was a little bit more emphasized than it had been previously. How high he holds his head. How much he looks directly at Vera without kind of tilting it to the side. His body posture openly facing him. And he's just speaking in a more confident way. Vera says he thinks there's a method to Elliot's madness, and Mr. Robot knows what it is. He wants those answers. Robot starts explaining. When assholes come out, he makes sure Elliot has protection. But that's not what Vera is interested in. He wants to know how did this all start in the first place? How is Mr. Robot formed? And of course, we want to know that too. So Robot starts to explain how Elliot's father died when he was eight. His mother treated him like an ashtray. He needed someone to help him cope with the world. He's quickly becoming frustrated with Vera and his antics, saying if he wants a partner, he needs to start convincing them of this plan. Like we said, not the other way around. So Vera shares his vision. He wants his products sold on every corner of the city. He wants power. And Mr. Robot can't believe that's, that's it? You want to get into real estate? Is that it? Is that what all this is about? Is that really your groundbreaking epiphany here? No. I can't really be it, is it? 
In your word salad, I heard something about drug dealing. Thing is, Pfizer and Eli are a few billion ahead of you, and they can buy your death with the same half cent it costs them to make a pill. You want to get into billboards, download Photoshop, make yourself a cute portfolio. Stores? With the debt everyone's in, I'm sure they'll gladly give them to you, in which case you'll just be owned by their banks. Trains are even more bankrupt, and don't even get me started on the NYPD. Even that blunt you want to roll is going to be marked up by big tobacco itself. Point is, this city is one big fat credit card bill, and you want to pay it. Also, you can what? Be another suit with a mortgage? Unless you're after a monopoly on stupidity, please tell me you have more. Please tell me you didn't waste my time when you could have just enrolled in some night classes at the Brooklyn School of Real Estate and left me the fuck out of it. He says it's not about how much money, it's about robbing money itself. I watched that scene a few times and the acting, the writing, everything was so well done there. Mm -hmm. You felt the power, you felt the difference in knowledge. It was poetic in a way. And it does seem he wakes Vera up to some of that. You're thinking about this in the wrong way. Now, Vera does get blinded by all the dollar signs when he finally shows him the laptop with the plans. Also, he's so high. All the time. <laughs> so maybe you were right last time that some of this is a psychological experience of what he's talking about, him sweating and... Oh, yeah, that's right. Now we know else. why he's sweating. But I think a lot of it's just the drugs. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you, yeah. you know? His eyes are like almost closed at certain points. I don't know how he's functioning. Now, as they're talking, something that I thought was really cool, in the background, they keep showing Krista's bookshelf. And she's got a whole collection of, who else? Freud. She's a therapist, so of course she's got Freud. But we could have zoomed in on anything. It could have been Young. It could have been Carl Rogers. Well, there's no doubt that those books were placed there on purpose. I didn't know Freud would have so many books. I thought maybe one of those fat books would be Freud, but... Those Are you like kidding me? Volumes. He's got tons. He's got that huge one we've talked about before, the interpretation of dreams. It looked like there was a three-part volume here. This could be a number of things because Freud broke down a ton of theories into threes, and we love talking about the power of three. There were two big ones. One was the model of the psyche, the different parts that make up our personality, and the other was the topography of the mind or the levels of consciousness. I think either or both are probably playing in here, so we'll just take a second to talk about it. I'm sure most of you are familiar with this model, the id, the ego, and the superego. And no matter how many times I ask you to explain it on the podcast, every time it's like I'm hearing it for the first time again because I <laughs> never can remember or figure it out. Well, so let's brush over it fast. The id is the disorganized part of the personality that contains basic instinctual drives, usually sexual or aggressive. I'm going to give you an easier way to think about it. It is, I want. It's unresponsive to reality. All it cares about is what it wants right now. It's governed by the pleasure principle. Then you have the ego. That's, I think. It's the negotiating aspect that attempts to find compromises for the impulses of the id and the limitations of the superego. So you have, I want over here, then you've got the superego telling you what you should do. The ego has to find a way to mediate between the two, to be a bridge. It separates out what's real, helps us organize our thoughts and make sense of the world. If you were constantly acting according to those impulses, you would get in trouble. You wouldn't be able to do that because you'd be breaking the rules and the conduct of society. Rock stars back in the day, pure id. True. Usually that's going to get you in trouble with the law, with other people, with your family and friends. You're not going to be able to meet your social needs. 
because you're not acting according to these norms. But on the other hand, if you listen entirely to your superego, which is this third level, we'll call that I know, it's a conscience or moral code. This represents internalized values and the attitudes of society. It's telling you, you should do this. You ought not do that. It's never giving you anything you want. So you wouldn't survive that way either because you have to get some of these needs met, right? Well, the ego figures out a way to do that. It also employs defense mechanisms to manage expectations. If the id is getting too out of control, it might use repression to tamp it back down. It might go into denial about certain things. Compartmentalization, all those great mechanisms we've been talking about all season, that's the ego at play. Now, when I look at the possible three parts of Elliot, and we still don't know for sure that there are three, but I don't think the other one question has fully been answered yet one way or another throughout the course of this episode. So there could still be a third. You would have Elliot, Mr. Robot, and whoever this person is. I don't think that matches up even not knowing who the third is to id, ego, and superego. No, I don't think so. I don't see either Elliot or Mr. Robot being strongly one of those representations. Do you? No. Okay, so what I think is more likely, Freud's other big theory was about the levels of consciousness. Of course, there were three. Up top, you had the conscious, the actual contents of awareness at any given moment. So this is what you're fully cognizant of moving through the day, what's in your mind. Just below that, you had the pre-conscious, the entire set of contents that you could access, but they're not in awareness right now. This could be one of those defense mechanisms, blocking them out, repressing them, trying to kind of push them somewhere else. But you could. You could access if you wanted to. And finally, the unconscious. This is not accessible by direct means. It has to be inferred. So you see it in the way symptoms might come out. What's happening in your dreams? Maybe you get to it in therapy. That's everything Elliot has not been aware of. And I think there's a way that that does correspond as in Elliot, our character here is mostly just aware of the conscious, what he's allowed to see, what he's allowed to know. There's so much that's hidden from him all the time. And that's to help him survive, to help him get through. But it's also not great. It's also what's created this other altar, potentially two of them. And in season one, he had his sister in his preconscience. It was blocked by repression. Mm, to, to remind him. That he didn't even know it was his sister. Yeah, but she also could remind him of some of those things. She could pull them up and let him know. Oh, don't you remember? This is what happened that time, mm -hmm. that day that we were there. Now, Mr. Robot could be that too. Who knows if there's one even deeper, another altar, who's kind of really far down in the unconscious. And it might make him a scary dude. We've talked about that. If there is another one. It's probably a darker side because we're going to talk more on this later, but Mr. Robot is actually this idealized version of a person that Elliot created in order to help him. What we learn about his real father is dark, but the created object of Mr. Robot is not. He's good. The only thing that he's doing to hurt Elliot is not providing him with the truth because he doesn't want him to break. Mm -hmm. He wants to shield him from that. And that's his main function. Of that's course. why he wants that's to. That's his purpose for being. Well, that's what leads to what's coming up next. Coming back to the episode here, Elliot starts to tell Vera about this plan, but he says step one is always going to be letting Krista go. And this is where they keep hitting a standoff. Vera thinks she's the only leverage. He can't do that. And there has to be trust here first. In fact, even Krista wrote in her therapy notes she couldn't trust Elliot. 
So Elliot reemerges, saying he'll show Vera the whole thing. He'll give him the plans on the laptop. When this is all done, he can take the money. Elliot's never cared about that. It's just been about taking it from them, the 1%. Vera reflects, he makes an interesting comment here saying, Elliot doesn't need Mr. Robot. He might bark a lot, but, quote, he's not the bite behind all that havoc you wreaked. I'm more scared of you than him. And that's been proven to us all season long, right? Oh, yeah. And that was so well said. That was the first Vera moment where I'm like, um, okay, maybe he's not too high. Yeah, he, he is that fake anger. He's the bark. Underneath that is the real pain, which is Elliot. But that also makes it the real power, which is what Vera's going to tell him later. Robot's just a construct. He's a false image so easily taken down. And he's already trying to lay those tracks. You can do it without him. You don't need him. And now we move into Act 3, Bargaining, which is very short. Vera's busy looking at all these zeros, showing it to everyone else. As that's happening, Elliot sneakily reaches into the bag beneath him and grabs his gun, pointing it at them. He thinks he's got them, but when he pulls the trigger, nothing happens. They all laugh at his realization that the bullets were removed. Of course they were. A cool note, though, Vera says the old Elliot would have never done that. He wouldn't have pulled the trigger in the first place. And maybe he's responsible for this mean streak. Could be right. Yeah. After what happened with Shayla, you have to think Elliot was permanently changed. And now Vera's upset. Any trust he thought they were forming, he just proved him wrong, even though he's kind of impressed that Elliot was going to go through with it. So Mr. Robot tries to step back in quickly, say this was his mistake. He overstepped for a moment, but they can work it out. Vera's not hearing this. He puts the gun on Krista. It seems the pleading isn't working until Elliot finally says he can't shoot her because, quote, I need her. She helps me. And so Vera stops saying he gets it now. She's your shaman. She's the key. That takes us into Act 4, Depression. Now, all these scenes, they're they're driven so well. And of course, like we've been saying, acted so well that we're going on this ride just like you are in a play. And I believe that's why this episode got such a high score. Mm. It was so simple, but so intricate at the same time. And completely engrossing and compelling, especially as we move into this act now. Just incredible, disturbing, horrible, but... Very well done. Vera demands Elliot sit for a forced therapy session, instructing Krista to pick up wherever they last left off. She's defiant, thinking this can only happen in a controlled setting. It's not going to work the way you want it to, Vera. But he kicks the others out, tries to encourage her. When she still can't collect herself, he shoots the gun off. It's really not going to help her to calm down. (laughs) And it's Elliot who has to do that. He refocuses her, suggesting she pretend it's just the two of them. And he starts by telling her his mom just passed away. This is how he would start off a normal therapy session. What's new since last time I saw you? And that one's a bit of a bomb drop. He brushes it off saying, he's okay. They weren't really that close. It does seem to have hit Darlene a little bit harder. Vera's not happy. (laughs) Still not happy with all this surface stuff. He reminds Krista that she said, the only way to get to the deep truth is to figure out why Mr. Robot exists. He wants the good stuff. At this point, Mr. Robot starts coming out. He's denying, deflecting. That's going to get increasingly amped up over the course of this scene. And that's when you know what's going on. Because Robot doesn't want Elliot to know the truth either. Whatever's being hidden in these files, he doesn't want him to figure it out. And that makes Elliot suspicious. He tells Vera to keep reading. What does it matter? Did you hear what I said? We got to get out of here. Here. 
Let me help you start. Those are my private charts. Elliot's preoccupation with Mr. Robot suggests an emotional component do to their relationship. Oh, you upset. I'm sorry. Maybe I should stop. How about it, Elliot? You sure you don't want to know what she wrote in here? He's fucking with you. He's trying to play his little mind games. Your quotes. Strained relationship with Mr. Robot keeps us from exploring the root of his condition. Childhood trauma, follow-up on window event. Elliot finally loses it, yelling at Mr. Robot to stop interfering. Krista, don't. Shut up. Krista, there's no use holding back. Tell me what's going on. She wonders why he can't remember the day with the window clearly and asks him details to try to help him get there. He says Darlene told him they heard their dad coming up the stairs. And when he walked in the door, Elliot grabbed the baseball bat, started smashing things, then jumped out the window. But he doesn't actually remember any of this. It's just the story that Darlene told him. So Krista questions if that's similar to other instances when he lost time. Is it only when Mr. Robot takes over? Is it possible he's the reason you can't remember? Elliot now badgers Mr. Robot. How long has he been around? You couldn't have been there since my childhood, could you? He's really angry at this level of deception. Robot says, I've been here since the first day I was needed to protect you. And this isn't the way it's supposed to work. Now he's trying to pull up the therapy ethics. He's not supposed to find out this way. And of course he's not. Krista knows it too, but they have no choice. She says, does Elliot believe Robot's really there to protect him? Why did he have such a strong reaction when his father came into the room? Elliot starts to reflect now that he was scared. Even just saying, I was scared of my father coming into that room is so hard for him to get to. And suddenly hearing that, Mr. Robot looks at him and says, I can't protect you anymore and walks away. Stage left or stage right. Hmm. In these scenes, this is when we see Rami Malek get another award. Oh, I <laughs> hope so, because this just blows everything else he's done out of the water, and he's done some phenomenal acting. Elliot thinks his father would never hurt him, would he? He was his only friend. He starts denying the suggestion that he hid Darlene to keep her safe. He says he's confused. And he keeps saying no, 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 no. Gently, Krista insists Elliot picked up the bat in defense and escaped the only way he knew how. After a long pain moment, Elliot agrees. And finally, Krista asks, did your father sexually molest you? Okay, so I'm going to stop it there. I want to preface this with these were thoughts I had, and I'm not declaring this to be an actual belief at this point. I do admit that this is very thin, and I have just as much or even more thoughts in the opposite direction. What I'm talking about, again, is Vera. Vera being the third altar. Last episode, we were brought on the journey, let me tell you a story, about one Christmas when I got a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. Still with the bow on it, I wanted to play with it. Now let's go back to when we're now finding out the day that's unfolding for Elliot as a kid. Him and Darlene are outside building a snowman. It's winter. This could be Christmas. Mm -hmm. When they go upstairs to get a camera or something? Yep. When a bully walks in, yeah. the bully could be his father. Now, again, with the Vera, it's the same kind of uh, mental protection. There's a new elaborate story. I took control. I wanted to play with my bat. The bully came in, and this time I didn't let him win. Yes, I agree. And those parallels are super strong, and I was thinking it throughout this whole course here until we started talking about the memory it seemed that memory was broken. We never really knew totally what happened. Elliot couldn't recall it in great detail. So 
I thought the same as you. Here, it sounds like we get the official details, Mm -hmm. which are that Elliot hid Darlene in the closet, probably to protect her. That's probably not the first time he did so to shield her from the abuse. Now, who knows if she experienced any of that at the hands of her father. We knew she had difficulty, definitely was abused by her mother, ran away at one point, was kidnapped and hoped she'd never be brought back home because it was so bad there. But we don't know the specifics about the father. So Elliot probably was trying to shield her from a lot of that. And that explains the many occasions, more presently a few episodes ago, when we see the struggle that she's having where she says, he being Elliot does the worst things to me, but I still love him and I still need to be there for him. Well, now we know why. Yeah, so there is still a big question of how much does she know? Does she know that the father was sexually abusing Elliot? I have a feeling she probably did, and that's why all of those comments. Well, we do know that she knows that he was protecting her. Mm -hmm. So even if, you know, maybe she didn't know about the sexual abuse, but she saw the abuse, she saw the bully. She knew he wasn't a great guy. Yeah. He's not this Mr. Robot character. And his brother, and her brother was there to protect him. Now, once Elliot comes out with that bat, he realizes the bully is stronger. There's nothing that he can do. And in such a desperate attempt to escape, jumps out of a window. Mm -hmm. So he didn't respond as Vera did in this instance. He didn't swing and knock his father's teeth out of his head. So I wonder if we're just supposed to see the parallel between the two characters that they both have been through such an intense trauma that it leads you to places you wish you didn't have to go, especially as a child, it creates all of these issues. Even the place they wound up in, Vera is different from Elliot. There's other times though, and we'll talk about in a minute, like when we get into act five, where it really seems so strong that I'm wondering right up until the very end, is this going to be him integrating with that altar is owning him really going to mean just accepting Vera in as part of him and then Krista killed him and I was back to okay if he could die in real life he's got to be real right well so many things one going back to Vera's story with the bat doesn't correlate at that point but and I think that's completely reasonable and I agree with you that could be it just the parallels but We were just discussing how uh, Vera's story about taking over DR seems a little inflated. Mm -hmm. This could be another inflated story, Vera. Oh, sure. Saying, I took care of the bully. Put him in the hospital, knocked all his teeth out. Saying, I see you now. There's also the fact that, I mean, there were so many things that started going in my head where Krista was saying, I need to do this alone. So Vera tells his two goons Mm -hmm. to leave. And then it gets quiet. Vera shuts up. But if Vera is Elliot, they are alone. That's what I mean. And that's why he yeah. kind of fades into the background now. I mean, every once in a while, he's coming in and saying, like, get it, Elliot, do it. But basically, it is just the two of them. And this was where I started thinking, well, now we know why Krista was so scared of Elliot. Because she's, seen, she's probably seen this firsthand before where she's having arguments or, or seeing Elliot have arguments with his other characteristics. Basically, what I'm saying is these scenes could have all been taking place with Elliot being Vera, Mr. Robot, and Elliot at the mm-hmm. same time, arguing everything, and everyone else around, including the two gangsters, already aware of that. That's why they knew to take the bullets out of the gun. You know, it, it all kind of was a little bit making sense. Well, and Elliot, who part of him has been desperate to 
finish up therapy with Krista, he was so excited to tell her he's made progress. He's talking to Mr. Robot now. She won't see him. She's afraid of him now. Was this a desperate attempt holding her at gunpoint to get to the root of the thing? I have to know now. I have to finish my therapy. Explain to me what you wrote in this file about me. Again, right up until the moment Krista stabs him, because what does that mean? Did, Did she stab Elliot? Then in that case? Or was it a figurative stab? That's what I mean. Like, was it that session, actually, there was a breakthrough? Yeah, I don't know. And that's what I mean. I am conflicted completely. And I, the next season, the next episode on, I never think about it again as that. I can see that happening. Am I overthinking it? Shows like this tend to make you overthink this part of the fun. But um, there's just certain things that would fit if that turns out to be true. Absolutely. And it's very interesting. I just don't want to spend too much time here. I don't want people to be saying this amazing psychological deep thing happened and we're just focused on a theory about... A theory where I admittedly says probably isn't right. Could it be something or could it? So I want (laughs) to come back and just acknowledge that even on the straight read of this, this was incredible. There was a lot happening here. Now... I'm not skipping over it. We're going to come back to it that I got a bunch of questions. This isn't really how therapy would go, right? And there's a lot wrong here. Well, of course, we're, we're going to come around to talking about that. But I just want to finish up by taking us to Act 5, Acceptance, where Elliot reels from the revelation. He goes into the next room. Vera follows him out and says he knows it feels like he's all alone, but he's not. It's okay to feel the pain. He doesn't have to be scared anymore. Elliot says he doesn't know how to live with this, doesn't know if he wants to. Vera thinks he needs to purge all the poison so he can become his true self. And that's when we get the shots of Elliot yelling at the window with the thunder rumbling in the background. Vera says once you finally let it all go, you can meet the real you. You're reborn. It's hard to go on carrying this around, but you can. You don't carry it alone. Now that you know the truth, you can use it. He reflects on his own abuse by his mother, who used to get high and pass him around. Those people took a lot from him, but not everything. Quote, most people don't know pain like that, and if they did, it would end them. But the ones that keep surviving are the ones no one can beat. Once you've weathered that storm, you become the storm. Your power is beautiful. Elliot isn't sure if he believes Vera that he's special. He just doesn't want to be alone anymore. He finally looks Vera directly in the eye. They're having a moment. They're having a connection. In fact, it seems that Vera is about to win him over to accomplish his goal. He broke him down. Now he's helping to build him back up. He's telling him all those things. A therapist can't tell him that. Mm -hmm. All the stuff he's saying to him right now. He hasn't shared this with anybody else. So he might have him here. Vera says, I see you now. Uh, So poetic because of the bitch story Mm -hmm. with the bully. I see you now. But just then, Krista comes up from behind Vera and stabs him. And the way they shot that, where at first you're like, whoa, what was that? (laughs) Vera like gets in his head. He he lurches. For a second, I think, because this whole scene, I'm like, wow, Vera almost seems like a good guy here. Mm. And then when he does that lurch, I'm like, oh, is he about to call him a bitch and be like, you know, turn into Vera gangster again. Mm-hmm. And then you realize real quick, no, he's dying. But either way, he's not doing this because he cares about Elliot. I mean, he, he's important to him, obviously, on some level. But this isn't the words of a friend or a sister. He's trying to own him. He's trying to make his plan go through. As Vera falls to the floor, the lights in the room go out and everything goes black. Encore! <laughs> What a beautiful episode. What are they going to do when the two um, 
gangsters come back? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I mean, what's going to happen to Krista, period? If this really was Vera and she just killed him, that's not great. <laughs> no, it's not. But they do have the gun now. What's going to happen to Mr. Robot? We brought that up. New York Times had a great quote about this saying, Elliot's entire vendetta against E-Corp and its puppet masters, everything that was waged initially to avenge the death of his father, is now called into question. So too is his relationship with Mr. Robot whom Elliot will likely no longer be able to tolerate in the form of the avatar of his father. So will we see him again? I think us as viewers need to see him again. Wouldn't it be weird if that's it? Yeah, I don't know that it can be over. So it's important to say, we were talking before, that this is not a representation, truly, of Mr. Alderson. In the theory of object relations, which talks a lot about kids forming attachments to their parents or significant caretakers in early early childhood, that forms a blueprint for all attachments in later life, how they're going to relate to other people. They frame this in terms of objects. So you have an external object, an actual person, mom, dad, who's very important to that child and either responds in a way that child needs or doesn't, tells them other people are safe and good and nurturing or they're not. And that could be as simple as not coming when they cry, not feeding them when they need to, or as extreme as abusing them. Somebody you put your trust in is, is actually bad. But then there's an internal object, and that's the child's representation of another person. Their memory, their fantasy, their idea of dad or mom that's in their mind. And that's not always true to the reality. It might hold parts of that person, parts that they want to. Many people often do that with just memories. You think of high school, man, that was such a fun time. You're forgetting all the shitty times. You're remembering all those, those peaks mm-hmm. and forgetting the valleys. You might even alter the memories a yeah. little bit. Remember a certain party differently than it was. That's why you talk to somebody else about it and they're like, that didn't happen that time. It was this or that. Dude, you weren't even there. <laughs> I told you about it the next day. <laughs> even, even more than that, Right. So now a child can also have a self object. So it's this thing, it's this representation where the self and the separate thing, so the child and the mom, the boundaries are blurred. There's no total distinction. So this occurs from when a child's born all the way up to a couple of months old. The child doesn't really know the full difference between themselves and mom. There's still that connection until they start to individuate and separate, realize that they're a different person from their mom. They can Mm. go off and explore. They can experience the world in a different way. But that self-object is really important because there's a loss of boundaries. Now, it's possible when bad things happen to start splitting those ideas off in our mind into good and bad categories because we're not able to handle that ambiguous gray area It's my dad and I love him and he did good things for me, but he also abused me. How do I reconcile those two things? Well, they'll just be two dads, right? There's one dad who's the reality that I suppress down here because I don't want to think about that. And then there's the image of the dad either that was good at certain times or that I wanted to be my idealized version of dad. Whatever that is, I can keep him alive in my mind. And that's Mr. Robot. That helped Elliot to not have to think about the other side of this coin because it was too painful. Once you come to that understanding and you remember that gray area, but there there is no Mr. Robot anymore. That object, that 
internal self-object is gone. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not real. So I don't think he's long for this show, but I think while if Elliot's starting to take in the bad, he's also got to retain some of the good mm-hmm. if he's going to hold on to this and remember the truth of the events and of his father. So there's going to have to at least be a final conversation with Mr. Robot. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not cured, especially this way, right? Mm -mm. It's not something where all of a sudden you're good. On top of that, unlike other human beings that are going through this that have a real therapy session or sessions Hmm. to get to this point, they don't have to also turn around and within a couple hours pull off stealing millions and millions, uh, probably billions of dollars from the top 1% (laughs) and the most powerful people. So circumstances are different. Uh, No, that's a super important point to bring up because the actual likelihood of this, if he doesn't have the right time and space to process it, that session did not go the way a therapy session is supposed to go. Again, we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, ending with a death. (laughs) It didn't unfold slowly the way Chris has been trying to have Elliot come to that realization on his own so that he's not flooded by it. When it happens too quick and you get flooded or overwhelmed, you're still not able to take it in in the proper way. And so either you you kind of break, you collapse under the weight of that, and Elliot would be non-functioning for a while. I don't think that's going to happen the way the story's going. Or you have to find a way to deal with it again. What does that mean? More extreme defense mechanisms have to come out. Compartmentalize harder. Split it off better. Get it away from me. Put it back in the box. Here's why I think we might see a third alter next episode because if Mr. Robot's no longer effective to help him do that, he's in a fight with him right now. Oh, he's going to need the third one. He's going to need someone stronger. I immediately regret bringing up the whole Vera thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, there was the potential that that person was Vera, the way we saw him talking a lot here about owning his power, but actually the way Vera was describing it, even if he's totally full of shit, Mm -hmm. was in a way that would have integrated things. You can hold that. It can be your power. It can be good for you. I don't think that's what we're going to see with Elliot. And I could be wrong, but I don't think we're going to see integration and and owning the trauma and moving towards becoming a thriver. The conditions are all wrong for that. I think we're going to see him have to soldier on. Well, so many questions and we still have more to examine in our closer look. Before that, Jason, what is your robot rating for this episode? 407. I absolutely loved the concept of this episode. No commercials engulfing you emotionally. Five-act play. The acting was tremendous. The lighting, the score. Although we had a Clatcher who thought that sometimes the music was a little distracting. And I can understand that as well in certain circumstances. The turn of events. I mean, wow. Just a beautiful episode. This is the mark of just over halfway through the season. It's a nice little bookmark right there. So with that being said, I'm going all the way up to 9.7 robots. That's a lot of robots. It's a lot of robots. Okay. I really liked this episode as well. I like the five act play structure. I like it seemingly corresponding, although we just, we basically said that's official, even though Sam didn't, that it's the five stages of grief. I've always been most intrigued by the psychological journey of Elliot, as I said before, even though it wasn't a huge surprise, it did feel like a gratifying way to understand better. It was still disturbing and sad to watch Elliot have to go through that. There was also a part of me that was, I can't find the right word, 
maybe relieved that he finally got to the truth. This is the hardest part of therapy. This is facing the darkness. It's the most difficult. If you can get past it and integrate that truth and find a way to move on, that means things can get better. I don't know if that's happened yet. So I still feel like I'm being left on a bit of a cliffhanger. And there are still some of those bigger questions for the whole season that I'm eager to find answers to. I feel I liked it just as much as episode one, the season opener, and that's the highest score I've given anything so far, a nine. So I'm going to go up just a tiny bit from that and give it a 9.1. And now is the time where we turn to our clatchers. Now we got so many votes, the most this season. Thank you everyone who's come on board, who's joined us on Twitter and Facebook, who are interacting with us, commenting, calling us. This adds value to the podcast. And we ask that you stick with us for our next show, The Magicians, and then onward and forward, Westworld, Westworld and everything else. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to make sure that Christina and myself continue to do this for five more years, the best way to do that is to join us over at Patreon. Just go to coffeeclatchcrew.com. While you're there, download the free Mr. Robot wallpaper and then head on over to Patreon and join us over there for even more fun content. So as you know, every week we ask you via Twitter, at CKC Podcast, who is your MVH? This week we have Vera, Elliot, Mr. Robot, and Krista. All the big players from the episode. Coming in with 2% <laughs> is Mr. Robot. In dead last, of course. I think this is clouded by the realization of what Elliot's actual father was like. Although Christian Slater kicked some major ass in his acting. It just was not his episode. He was actually forced to walk out. Yeah, I think we do learn the introject of Mr. Robot is not bad. He was necessary as a defense mechanism for all this time and effective. It explains a lot for me as far as why some of his speeches have been falling a little flat lately. He feels like he just keeps repeating himself and it doesn't have weight behind it. This is what Elliot needs to be doing. What's going on here? It's almost as though he knew he was running out of usefulness. This wasn't working anymore. He couldn't protect them. And now there really is nothing left for him here. And he does leave. But that was all very interesting to see. Now, the other three ran a very close race. In third place with 31%, <laughs> losing out to second by 1% was Vera. Again, the acting was tremendous. And at the end, I mean, if you were none the wiser of who Vera is and what his actual intentions were, he was <laughs> kind of being sweet there and did help Elliot push through that moment of panic. But let's be honest, he's not a good guy. No, and it all was serving his bigger purpose he was trying to get to. And coming in just above Vera with 32% is Krista. Well, she had a great episode here. She got a lot more to do acting-wise than last time around. It's so funny. We had just left off, and I had forgotten our last episode, talking about how this whole season might end. And you said to me, wouldn't it be great if it was a therapy session? Yeah. I said, that would be the best thing. I so hope that we see that. I didn't feel there was enough resolve on Krista. I hope she's not done in this story. She needs to have a talk again with Elliot. Now, this is really unfortunate circumstances, but we do get that. We get a little bit of the closure of them being able to come back to therapy. And of course, she has her big moment at the very end of the episode. We'll see where that goes. But coming in first place with 36% was Elliot. Elliot doing the hard work here under the most enormous amount of pressure. And Rami Malek's acting just 
I, I've probably said it a million times. I sound like a broken record. It's, it's true. He feels like he just gets better and better. So let's see what our Clatchers had to say about it. Kirk says, oh my God, what an episode. I'm thinking the vote might be a runaway for Elliot, but I had to give my vote to Vera. He definitely drove the story and Elliot's psychological progress. R.I.P. You were remarkable in your own sort of way. Agreed. Two more thoughts. The acting in this episode outdoes anything we saw in Big Little Lies. No? I think I would solidly agree with that while we had yes. some moments in Big Little Lies. This is just consistently oh, for sure. fantastic. And if anyone criticizes Sam Esmail for time jumps, character emphasis, or other petty issues in this masterfully crafted episode, I'm a sick Vera on them. <laughs> and he's got two knives. Well, we mentioned it, but I don't think it was a criticism. No, so don't come after me, Kirk. Lewis says, holy shit, I have no words. <laughs> Melly says, breathtaking performance by all the actors. So next week, the Dark Army comes in Krista's apartment and covers up Vera's death. And what about Darlene and Dom? Are they still alive? Yes, they're definitely still alive, for sure. Yeah, we're going to come back around to them, I think, next time. I'm sure there's going to be a conversation between Elliot and Darlene about what just happened here. Oh, good, that was her next question. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that... Unless there is some heavy-duty compartmentalizing and trying to get past this and we move right to the action. And even so, I think later, at some point, we're going to see it happen. And let's not forget, we have a lot of episodes left. So don't expect to have all the answers next week. No. But we can't just keep saying that every week either, can we? Oh, we yeah, got up some, until the last we week. We got some here. Yes, we did. And again, I don't think we're going to have the meeting yet. Oh, Kirk says, I got my wish. <laughs> the, the big psychological episode. Oh, and he told Sam to listen to us. You know, maybe one of these days Sam will listen to us. With our luck, it'll be one of our weaker episodes. I was just going to say, I <laughs> hope it would be this one where I kind of know what the heck I'm talking about on certain things. Uh, Travis says, wow, did anyone else just start yelling, thank you, Krista, as soon as Vera moved? I wanted to second guess it as a trust move thing. <laughs> like he was seeing if Elliot would flinch and that would show if he trusted him and Elliot didn't. Both amazing and destructive. Warren says, I echo the wow sentiment here. That episode was another level above yet again. From the gumshoe detective radio score to the Hitchcock thriller stylings, the music had me going from the outset. Love the stages and numbered scenes too. It was pure art. He also says Krista took the episode hands down. Despite the immediate threat, she was able to lead Elliot to answer his own questions and in turn giving us the horrible realization. And so much makes sense now. Yes, it does. Logical coming in with Krista was scary as fuck. Seriously breaking the fourth wall performance. Amazing. And Oren says it was hard choosing the MVH this week. Ultimately, I voted for Elliot. Villar, that is. At Elliot, Villar's performance was beyond words. I truly think Vera was trying to help Elliot. Villar's ability to portray a character teetering between good and evil is just perfect. I agree with you. Oh, I don't... I mean, help him in order to serve his needs. That's what I mean. It, it was... Selfish oh, yeah. motivation, you know, wasn't just because like I like Elliot and I want to help him get through this. <clears throat> but, but it was believable. It was just so well done. Yes. And I do think they, they had a couple of genuine moments in there. Joe Bain says, so much makes sense now. From the first episode of him going after Ron to the scenes of Elliot being angry at his father. Just wow. Elliot gets my vote, but Mr. Robot isn't far behind. Did you see the desperation he showed trying to protect Elliot? Yeah. Well, he didn't want this to happen, The right? tension in that scene. Holy shnikes. Just building and building and building. Sunny MC, I voted for Elliot, but honorable mentions to Krista. They both deserve Emmys. Boo Boo Kitty says, Vera got it all out of Elliot. Jesus. At Plant Girl says, Krista, trained as a healer, not a warrior. 
In the midst of severe danger and trauma herself, she not only held space for Elliot to speak his truth, but rose to the occasion and took fierce, decisive, stealthy, and effective action. I cheered for her. Can't resist a badass therapist. Oh, Kirk says I put Christina in this category. Aww. Thank you, Kirk. <laughs> Vivian Owen says, seems like I'm in the minority here, but this wasn't a dramatic reveal to me. Elliot always claimed his dad pushed him out the window, so I figured his dad was abusive in some way. I know Darlene told him he fell, but I never really bought that. Plus, as Christina said, DID stems from trauma, so I sort of just figured Elliot was, ab was abused by his dad and his relationship with his mom was strained because maybe she knew but never did anything about it. That's a really good question now that I'm left with. You know, we said the stuff with the mom always was a bit confusing. Mm -hmm. Was it true? Did she actually abuse him? Because there's been some weird stuff, like the people at the center where she lived and passed away remembered her as such a nice woman. They were so shocked at Darlene and Elliot's response. Yeah. But Darlene seems to remember her that way too. So now it kind of becomes a question, did she know this was happening with Elliot's father and that drove her to her own trauma and mental illness and then she too became abusive to her kids? I still don't entirely know what the dynamics were there. But yeah, perhaps we ruined it a little bit by saying DID always stems from childhood <laughs> trauma, guys. It, it blew up the spot a little bit. It wasn't a huge twist, though thinking about what that means for Elliot, how he had pictured Mr. Robot as his only real solace and confidant, a bright spot in this very, very dark world that he could rely on and remember those times that he had with his father, and now that's stripped away too. Well, now he really feels alone too. So this does change the game now. This changes the next six episodes. Correct. It doesn't change the past so much. Yeah, it's fun to, to reflect on those scenes before where we didn't know the whole truth. How does it recontextualize? But it's more about how it changes the future, and that's a crazy thought. Will he lose all desire to even take down White Rose? You know, there's some questions you got to ask yourself. Well, we just said the whole revenge campaign that he started in the first place, the way this all got going was to avenge his father, avenge his father's death. That's right. And I'm, I'm sure he's not eager to do that anymore. So, A, he's probably going to start questioning the importance of that. And then if White Rose tells him, look, you don't understand. This thing I got going is actually good. We're on the same side here. Don't fight me. Maybe he's brought over. Those are two huge factors that can influence how he feels. Plus, he's just been shown for however many episodes, even if his crusade had been good, all of these terrible things he's having to do to get there that are changing him as a person that cross lines and boundaries, mm -hmm. it already might have been enough to make him change his mind. Again, I think that depends. Where do we find Elliot psychologically next episode? And then when does Leon come back into the fold? Where does he fit? So we, we don't know yet. We thought he might come in here with Vera, and it seems not unless he's got to deal with... Those two guys. Those two other guys. Or he could still come in... To help clean everything with, up. Or, with the Dom and Darlene stuff. What we had mentioned, we don't think he's going to go against Dark Army. So no. I, I find that a stretch. Maybe Leon comes to get rid of Vera's body and also take out those two goons. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, who knows? Who knows? I'm excited. I wish we had a, a reprieve for next week with Thanksgiving. It's going to be difficult for us because we're traveling. Well, how about Christmas? And I haven't seen officially yet if they're going to be taking a break that week. But if not... We're screwed. It's going to be a little tough. Uh, Vivian also saying she found the music a little bit overly dramatic and distracting. 
And while the performances were fantastic, she doesn't really care about Vera. She's more interested in getting to White Rose in the series finale. Now, we also got an email from Tim, who had written a while back saying he wasn't too excited about Vera's return when we were feeling that way, kind of... Where does he fit? You know, is this exciting that he's even back? So he really did not enjoy this episode. The fact that they gave Vera such a pivotal role and he doesn't feel like he earned it, that he just became the stereotypical crime boss, that his stories kind of went on forever. And while there were some cool artsy effects to the episode and the actors did a great job, it fell a little flat for him and wound up being kind of a disappointment. Now, I could see not being enthused with Vera. And if a lot of this episode hinges on you buying that and being okay with the performance, Mm -hmm. things like another story about his trip to DR might have just pushed you over the edge here. I could totally get that. I still wasn't in love with him, but between Elliot Villar's performance selling this stuff, and I, I don't think they gave him some great stuff to work with, so I think he did a really good job getting through that initial part. Stage five, where he's able to talk to Elliot kind of talk him down in a sense, and they're able to connect. Undid a lot of the wrongs for me. I really appreciated what was happening there. And the big twist of Krista taking him out in the end, it, it kind of saved the episode for me and made me interested to where this goes in the future. So I hope you guys are able to hang in there. I think there's going to be a lot more great stuff to come. Tony says, I want to say I vote for Krista, but she cut Elliot off. She could have freed him from Mr. Robot. But Vera gave the push, leaning towards Vera. Best episode, five stars. Nice. Dave says, epic episode. Wow, Vera broke Elliot. Goodbye, friend. I voted Vera because he forced the plot along by destroying Mr. Robot. And Pat's 9 to 1 says, I've been saying it since season one. I hate Vera, but I love his character because he is the necessary evil we need. Very intense. The ending scene with the Mr. Robot theme playing in a sad, ominous re sad ominous remix was great but is robot coming anytime soon yeah i mean we're all kind of thinking those same questions here it's absolutely exciting i'm loving this season over on facebook paul p wrote man i was so hopeful that vera was going to bring out the third personality (laughs) i really thought that would happen as well although i guess now seeing how this plays out it would make more sense to see that other altar next time if there is one Mm. If that doesn't come out next time, I don't know what I'm going to be thinking about the other one, but... uh, Could it be the mom? Yeah, well, this goes back to that. There's still definitely answers that we have to get about that. There's still some fuzzy areas, and we had mentioned questions left over from the episode where she passed as far as the safety deposit box and what's on the Walkman. So I don't think it's like we've got it all resolved for Elliot yet. Not at all. Trayla says, wow, the last episode was amazing. Three comments. Krista is the most badass therapist ever. (laughs) Rami Malek tore my heart right out of my chest, and the scene with Elliot and his dad in the theater makes a lot more sense now. So all that being said, Jason, who is your MVH for this one? I'm going to have to go with the Clatchers yet again and vote for Elliot, for reasons already said so eloquently by our Clatchers. I'm going to have to disagree for the first time with you in the vote this season. Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. (laughs) Krista. Yes. How can I not... Come on, I have to give it to the therapist, right? I was dying for this therapy scene. Of course, there are so many things that did not go the way they should have. But I think she did her very best in a terrible situation. She couldn't say no. She literally could not say no. There's Mm -hmm. no way to follow along with anything close to the guidelines of therapy. 
She simply had to rely on her connection with Elliot and do her very best to try to hold on to some semblance of getting him through this horrible truth in the best way possible. Well, all the while, she's being sexually assaulted, a gun held to her head and shot off right next to her. She hasn't even been feeling comfortable around Elliot lately that she's been scared of him. I mean, can you imagine trying to cope in this type of situation? But that's going to take us over to our closer look. We did have some voicemails. Christina and myself listened to them. Thank you so much. But because of time, it's already really late. I'm going to try to get most of the editing done tonight because I won't have time to edit tomorrow until after 5.30, which means you'll have to wait even longer. And I don't want to do that to you, even though I feel like I may have to. So we're trying to keep it short, sweet, and sexy. (laughs) Mauricio had also asked a question about therapy. When a therapist has a suspicion that a person has experienced sexual abuse as a child, is it common for the sessions to be so guided, where the therapist actually actually asks the question, were you abused? My concerns are that by asking that, they unintentionally could result in a false memory? Yes, absolutely. I mean, if this was the normal course of therapy, you do ask questions. You are trying to gently and slowly direct them into the right area. Mm. But you would never say things like, were you afraid of your father? Were you abused? Did right. he sexually abuse you? So open and outright. In real life, once you got to that moment where Elliot was about to break, right before Krista says, were you abused? You would hear a ding and she'd say, that's all the time we have oh, for today. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no ding, by the way. We just say it. She has seemingly been doing this for a long time, trying to guide him closer and closer to the truth. And something keeps happening with their therapy where it's interrupted. They're not able to get to that point. I do think she was making some good progress with him. She'd gotten him to the point where he was communicating with Mr. Robot. They Mm -hmm. were maybe even getting closer to integrating. With a little bit more time in regular therapy, I think they would have come around to this place. That wasn't an option here. Vera was forcing her to ask more direct questions to guide him. I think she was... Under the gun? 99.9% confident that this had happened. So it's not as though she'd be implanting a false memory. That is a lot of the controversy about why people have difficulty believing in DID because they're saying it's so easy for a therapist to implant these false memories. It's, it's so hard to say a lot of what happens in therapy there is intuitive. It's not like you have this 100% guarantee that those are the events. You, you kind of have to go along with, you establish this trust and relationship rapport with the client. There are all these signs of trauma and abuse. It's not like it's come out of nowhere. But typically, you would do this in a three-stage kind of treatment. This is the way a lot of psychologists handle it. Number one is, is skill building. So the patient learns to handle high-risk, potentially dangerous behavior. You teach them skills about emotional regulation, interpersonal effectiveness, coping. You make sure safety is established and that they're going to be able to self-soothe, regulate themselves so that when the intensity gets too much during the discussions about trauma work, they're able to come back down without getting flooded, as I had mentioned before. Step two is the actual trauma work. Once you feel all of that ground has been laid, you can do trauma-based cognitive therapy. So you try to reduce distortions related to the trauma, build more realistic thoughts, build a more cohesive narrative about what happened. If there are dissociated identities, you try to deal with those early on. And then you use gradual exposure techniques and interventions to get closer and closer to that point. 
And then the third phase is really individualized. You're aiming for better personality system integration or functioning. It might not mean total integration of all the alters, but something that's a lot more functional where less defense mechanisms have to be employed. There was an article that did a really good job of describing this, the fact that DID is believed to be the result of this prolonged trauma. Awareness, memories, emotions, or harmful actions are removed from the consciousness and alternate personalities form with differing memories, emotions, behaviors. What might be expressed as post-traumatic stress disorder in adults could become DID when occurring in children. And there's a lot of thoughts about why, possibly because they have a greater use of imagination as a form of coping skills than adults do. So as we mentioned before, as they begin to segment out those memories, thoughts, and behaviors, they might start to build up into something that is a little bit more of a separate identity, a space where this is being held. So coming back around to Mauricio's question, I think that Krista really did the best that she could with a difficult situation here. I want to applaud her. I, I still am in shock that she actually killed Vera at the end. Uh, that was something that I didn't see coming. But one other quick thing that we wanted to mention is that Esmail was interviewed and talked a little bit about this himself, where he's been speaking for a while that there's something that will be revealed that should be able to track back all the way through the seasons, that it should make sense. We have to think this is what he was talking about. He said, quote, the themes and specific ending is what I pictured a feature film ending or when he was thinking of this as a, a five act. But I have to say the thing that turning it into a series did for me, for what I originally envisioned with the story is we've created all these wonderful characters around Elliot. I think his journey means more because of those relationships. It's funny, the feature version was about a loner. I don't think by the end of that, he really ever connects with anyone. Thankfully, adapting it to the TV format, I was able to actually have characters pair up with him, challenge him and engage with him. I was able to explore a way for this guy to not just arc to the ending I had in mind, but along the way develop relationships that I don't think he would have had. Even though the ending is the same, his journey is going to be much deeper and more satisfying. And I think that's exactly what we see here. We had it before with Tyrell, now mm -hmm. with Vera and Krista. <clears throat> he's going to die. That sounds like he's going to die in the end. Oh, no. Is that what you think? I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I've been thinking about this this whole season, and just the way that was worded, maybe I'm being biased, but I really believe he dies in the end. Got to connect with them before that happened. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you could be right. I hope not. And when we have Sam Esmail on... After the, at the end of the season, we'll find out what his thinking was. <laughs> well, that is going to do it, except for our spoilers, where we'll discuss the next episode. So if you are afraid of that, we will see you next time when we review 408. Clatchers, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And if you see it in your heart to help Christine and myself out, join us over on Patreon. And remember, our promo code is still good. Just go to audible.com forward slash CKC or text CKC to 500 500 to start your 30 day audible trial today. You'll get one audiobook and two audible originals absolutely free. Thank you guys for all your support. Well, our spoiler section this time is pretty brief. We don't know a lot except that the next episode is 408 request timeout. This is when the client did not produce a request within the amount of time that the server was prepared to wait. And I don't know if that's 
got to be related to White Rose in some way because mm-hmm. she's all about time. We thought we weren't going to see the meeting, but what else could it be related to her unless it's Elliot learning more about the plan without actually interacting with her? I wonder. In the preview, we see that Krista tells Elliot they have to go, clearly very eager to get out of there and away from this scene. I don't know where those other two went, Javi and Peanuts. I'm assuming they're in the they're outside in the front by the car, smoking a joint or something. Mm, okay. Well, Janice tortures Darlene. This is something we don't want to see, and we knew there's probably going to be some bad moves in there for Dom or her family as well. And the synopsis just says Elliot is shook. Hmm. I mean, obviously I he's shook, but that doesn't give us much, right? No. Jason, one other thing that we had forgotten to mention, we had spoken in a previous Closer Look spoiler section about the particle accelerator. Yes. And I, I'm still not sure because we've kind of changed thoughts every week on what we think White Rose's <laughs> plans are. But I was so upset. We got an email from James too late for the last podcast. He wanted to tell us about Anatoly Bogorsky. Bogorsky was the name of Olivia's boss. We saw when they were tracking his login, yes. when Elliot was looking at it, that it said the name and then Convergence. It turns out he was the Russian scientist that got his head stuck in the particle accelerator. That you spoke about. Holy shnikes. We talked about that, but we didn't know his name. That happened in the late 70s. Amazingly, he survived it. In case you didn't hear that one. But James, thank you so much. I wish we had caught that in time for that conversation. Oh, and he's wondering if that, you know, gives clues to what White Rose is talking about. We I mean, talked maybe. about the probability thing that we saw behind her um, on the whiteboard last time and how convergence might play into that. I still don't really have any further ideas about it. But Clatchers, if you have theories, please feel free to keep writing them in. This is so exciting. I can't wait. But that wraps us up for this week. And Patreon Clatchers, our movie review will be out this weekend. We'll see you over there. For everyone else, till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. Please hang up and try again.